Hi, friends. Hey, everyone. Welcome to History and History Podcast. Thanks for coming back. We're back. Feels like it was a longer week. Yeah, there was a lot, a lot going on this week. There was. We were very busy. Sick child, new job for you. Nothing really going on with me, but (laughs) nothing new anyway. Sick child mostly. Yeah. And that's a drain on everybody involved, especially the child. I feel like she's sick all the time. She really isn't, though. I mean, it feels like she is, but she's a trooper. I guess. She deals with it well, and I think we're lucky. I mean, she's, yeah, I don't know. It's just heartbreaking and draining. Yep. And then I had to go to work today, and she was just not feeling it, and I felt so bad. (laughs) So bad. She was okay, though. Yeah. We went to daycare, she was fine. Picked her up from daycare, and she was fine. Her poor little foot. <laughs> She's got slivers. Like, a lot of them. Hopefully not anymore. Got most of them. Yeah. I don't know how to make that feel better. If you have any, like, splinter remedies, let me know. It's already too late. No, it's not. <laughs> this we got is most going out tomorrow. I guess. It's like we're going to get splinter remedies in three weeks. I mean, maybe we will. Somebody from... Botswana or something's going to pick up this podcast and be like, I know how to get a splinter out. Botswana, huh? Yeah. Where is Botswana? Uh, somewhere over there. I think it's by... I'm not going to say That it. other place? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend like I know. Well, thanks for quizzing me. Right. It's your turn. It's my turn, yeah. This week. <laughs> we, um, we turn back to me. I'm excited about this week, though. It'll be fun. It was kind of tough for me to come up with something. He called me out last week about, like, oh, you don't even have something yet. But I was like, oh, yeah. It wouldn't, like, and nothing really came to me, like, really quickly. But then once I found out, like, once I realized what I wanted to do, I was like, oh, this is going to be, this will be interesting. It'll be fun. We just so. operate very differently because I have, like, the next four weeks planned out. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Like, I, you know. But I, you know, I do so much reading during the week that usually I'll read like an article about something that'll kick off like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. I've never thought about that before. Blah, blah, blah. End up in some kind of weird wormhole of information. And then that's where I, sometimes that's where I get my stuff from. Hmm. Other times I just look for interesting stuff. Most of the time I'm just like, I've always wanted to learn more about this. So here we go. Yeah. This is kind of like a, like a backdoor look into our process, but yeah, mine's kind of, I mean, going into this, I've always, I've always really liked history. And I used to read this, there was a website called, I think it was called like Badasses of History or something like that. And it was all about mainly military heroes and about like people who just did heroic things in, during war. And I used to read that all the time and then eventually just stopped. But that's, like, I like stuff like that. I like, like, little snippets of, of history that are kind of interesting. Because it doesn't, you don't have to learn a ton of stuff just to understand this one thing. Yeah. So. Cool. Usually mine are, like, I'm reading through a Wikipedia page and then I see a link in there that looks interesting. So I'll go into that and then something in there looks interesting. So I just, like, go on these tangents and Wik- find myself. Wikipedia? <laughs> yeah, Wormholes? Did you know that? Or, like, I read the... Um, HistoryChannel.com, like, they have an on-this-day thing every day, so I usually mm-hmm. click in there and see. Like, that's where I got my one for next week. 
Oh, interesting. So that'll be kind of fun. It and won't be on one. that day. Well, obviously. <laughs> but it's a story that I had never heard of. Did you know that if you follow the first link of an article in Wikipedia, like if you if you open a random article and click on the first blue link, and you keep doing that, it'll always take you back to philosophy. Philosophy? But, mm-hmm. It's the beginning. Do it. Try it out next time you're on Wikipedia. Go to a random page. Click on the first blue link, and then for every page after that, click on the first blue link. It'll always take you back to philosophy. How many licks does it take to get to the center of your Tootsie Pop? Well, that's that's the question, right? Like, how far are you from philosophy? I think it's kind of because it's the basis of like government and, and ethics and all that stuff is philosophical teachings and philosophical thought and everything. That's very philosophical of you. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Anyway, we should get into the show. Like I said, I'm super excited. So today we're going to talk about the dark web. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you, like, what comes to mind when you think of the dark web? Well, I just got a new phone. Okay. And I just had to. That's like a weird humble brag, like, look <laughs> me, it's got 16 camera lenses on the front of it. <laughs> it does, it's an ultra. <laughs> <laughs> um. And my new phone, I had to set up my email and stuff again, and it was like some kind of... I know, because I got like six emails from your email account going, hey, do you know that this email is being used to log into a new device? Because <laughs> I'm the backup email of your email. Oh, well, thanks for clicking yes. <laughs> I didn't click yes on any of them, it just tells me. Sure. Okay, well, anyway, and then whatever like antivirus bullshit, whatever's on your phone, mm-hmm. um... Is it McAfee? 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 I think it's McAfee because the guy's name was John McAfee. Remember we saw that one video um, on that one podcast that we watched. They had he was the guy licking that shoe. He was in a construction oh, yeah. site. That was the he's kind of he's gone crazy and died now. But that was the guy who created that McAfee. That makes me feel really safe. <laughs> <laughs> he was yeah. I don't know what happened. Like later on in his life, he kind of just went crazy and that. I mean, I'm sure the antivirus is fine, like, between them and Norton. Yeah, like, there's a couple... For his brain. I am apparently not. Um, the big ones, though, I mean... Yeah. Anyway, anyway I know so it was McAfee, yeah. McAfee, sure. Because um, I got an email from him, but they had me, like, search to see if my email was on the dark web anywhere, or, mm-hmm. like, to see where, like, what information they got. And sure. apparently it's seven of them. Seven versions seven. of your email or seven no, spots? my email is in seven spots. Yeah, that's right. not that's not a huge surprise because of all the data breaches and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what, what was really great the other day is, um, you know, we use LastPass. Um, and this is not a, uh, a sponsor. Hi, LastPass. <laughs> this is not an ad by any means. Promo code because murder? I got, uh, yeah, promo code history. Herstory. Um, the no, I got an email from LastPass, and they're a, a password management software, right? You put all your passwords into their thing. They have a ma- you have a master password with them, and you can access all your passwords. I got an email from them last week, and they said, oh, "Hey, yeah, I got that too." <laughs> uh, by the way, our source code got broken into, so it doesn't look like any of your data was taken. But they took the source code, meaning they know how their encryption probably works. So. Hopefully they don't steal our data. Like the Maybe one, we should change our password. Will that even it, uh, work? It'll be fine. The okay. <laughs> the one, like the their one job is to protect <laughs> my shit, and they didn't do it. <laughs> like someone still got in, which goes I to mean, show you that 
Like no matter. Really though, how much safer is it? Like I can, I feel like I can do the same thing by putting a password on my notes app. You know, what's the difference between. Yeah. And then that's like, that gets into like your notes app on your phone. Well, if you connect to a public Wi-Fi, then someone might be able to get into it through the public Wi-Fi. But why wouldn't they be able to on LastPass? Like it's just a longer password that you put on LastPass. Like it's not. Yeah, but that's where that's where their encryption stuff gets into it. Um, and I don't. I'm not a cyber security um, major. I didn't. I didn't study any cybersecurity, so I don't know exactly what the whole. They talk about hashing, uh, hashing codes, and 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 encrypting stuff. I. It's kind of Greek I to me. Just so. feel like all of this is a really good like excuse to write shit down. You know. I guess, but then you forget it. Well, that's why you wrote it down, so you can look at it. But you don't... But then you got to keep track of that piece of paper, and then you got to keep track of multiple pieces of paper, and then, like... Yeah, I suppose there's, there's like, that the callback, right, is, like, having, like, the black book, right? You have, like, your little black book. My mom's got a little black book. She keeps all her stuff in. Um, But, like... There, it's supposed to make your life more convenient, right? To have all your passwords in one place, especially when and you on have, the dark web and everybody. Well, right, having it all. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get into the hacker's job easier. We'll too. get it. We'll get into the dark web stuff uh, here in a second. First, we'll we'll finish this tangent. The Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, the idea. I don't even know where I was going with that. Let's cut this out. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the dark web. Okay. So anyway, you didn't really answer my question. <laughs> What's the first thing that you think of when you hear the term the dark web? Uh, nefarious activities. Sure, illegal activity, right? Yeah. Everyone thinks. When they hear the dark web, they think illegal activity. How much activity. is my kidney worth? Sure, um, yeah. How much would it take to kill somebody? Organ organ, um, organ selling on the black market. Um, yeah, hit men, hit women, hit persons. Hit persons. I guess. <laughs> How dare you gender the hit persons? <laughs> we uh, make sure we're saying uh, we'll, we'll uh, be all-inclusive in our, in our hired killers. Um, that one yeah. stupid video game you made me watch. Sure, yeah. And I actually, I, I mentioned that at the end, but yeah. Um, yeah, so nefarious activity, really. So that's kind of the, what. that's what everyone knows about the dark web, is you hear about the dark one. web and you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go and on the And I know that you web. have to get there like through chat rooms and shit, and like if there's holes that you have to get into. We'll, we'll talk about it. Well, you ask what I know. Sure. Well, what, what you I think know. of. No, I ask what you think of when you okay, hear about well. the dark web. Whatever. I'm about to tell you what you know. <laughs> tell to me something. And anyway, so we'll start with the history of where the dark web comes from. So it all starts in the 1960s. Did you know the dark web started in the 1960s? I didn't know there was web in the 60s. Exactly. <laughs> so it starts with a network called ARPANET. A-P-R-A-N-E-T. It stands for the Advanced Research Projects Agency Network. ARPANET. So it's an experimental network that's created, and it's really a precursor to the internet that we know today, and obviously the dark web. The one that Al Gore created. Sure. I didn't actually read into that. Like, I was going to. I was going to be like, should I talk about Al Gore creating the internet? And I was like, no, it's a stupid comment. He like, also created climate change. No, he created global warming, and then they changed <laughs> it to climate change. Whatever. <laughs> Damn Al Gore inventing global warming. Bastard. Tipper, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <Bend> Let's... <laughs> <laughs> Taking away my heavy metal? How dare she? 
Anyway, ARPANET mm-hmm. is created so that information can be transferred quickly without the use of a phone connection between each computer. Remember Alexander Graham Bell we talked about two weeks ago invented the phone? Well, he didn't invent the And internet. also peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it ends up taking on this tentacle-like structure across across where whatever, wherever these computers are in the United States. Um, and that's what is the basis for the internet as we know it today. So it was originally created for academics to share information back and forth. That's why it's the Advanced Research Projects, because it's supposed to be like professors and stuff. People studying. What a fall from grace. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's made for academics to move information back and forth so that they can continue doing research projects. Well, someone else goes, hey, you know, that would be really good for us to use. And that someone is the United States military. <laughs> They go, hey, we also need a way to communicate with each other across, not across phone lines, but across a digital landscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the United States military realizes how effective this new means of communications is, and uh, they're in the middle of the Cold War. So any kind of edge, they're looking for any kind of edge they can get over uh, to defeat those damn red communists. Those Ruski fucks. So we get to what's called DARPAnet. Which is ARPANET, but with a D in front of it. (laughs) So it's the Advanced Research Projects Agency, but it's of the U.S. Defense Department. That's DARPA's Defense Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. I thought you were going to say darker. No, no. So uh, the military at the time, the reason they kind of jump on board with this is they want a central, they want a network that doesn't have a central core, so it's hard to take out. Because if there's just a central core someone and someone knows about it or that information gets leaked or a spy gets captured and they get tortured and that information gets out to their enemies, if they know there's a central core, blow up the central core, communication is shut down. So they wanted something that didn't have a central core. So the government starts to take over ARPANET. They, so they kind of they're, – they're like, oh, the academics are using it. Well, we're going to start using it too. But so they're, they're they took it over in a way that they kept academic academics could still use it though like they weren't they weren't saying you can't use it they were just like hey we're gonna kind of cut in on this too so that leads us to the first illegal transaction of course on ARPANET but what do you think it was what do you think the first illegal transaction was on ARPANET was it by the government no. First illegal transaction, porn. It was not. It was uh, drugs. Why not? <laughs> well, so, early 1970s, a handful of Stanford students. Now, this is at the same time that they're doing that whole Stanford prison experiment. Um, hopefully people are familiar. If you're not, um, read up about it. It's really interesting. It's about a bunch of, pretty much a bunch of research students that get a bunch of the public to... They divide half of them into prisoners, half of them into guards, and then they watch like society collapse essentially as the people guard the guards start to really lean into their guard powers, are beating on these people. Like it's uh, it was supposed to be two weeks long, and it ended up being six days because they went way hard. <laughs> yeah, it was, and it was su- it was horrible for everyone involved, except for some of the guards. I guess they had it pretty well. Anyway, so that's the group. That's in 1971. At the same time, a bunch of students in the Stanford Artificial Intelligence Laboratory. Uh, they sold an undetermined amount of marijuana to a bunch of students at MIT over in Massachusetts. <laughs> so that was the first, the first illegal transaction on. Uh, at this point, it's not the dark web, but it's this global network. Good for them. Yeah, they just sold a bunch of weed to a bunch of MIT kids. 
I wonder how that went. They probably had to send it in the mail. Well, they no, well, definitely, shipping. definitely they did, but like, wonder how much they charged. You like reached out, like, hey, you guys are in California, right? Yeah. So does that mean you guys are like gross stuff? You guys smoke weed? <laughs> <laughs> Can you send us some in Boston? Send weeds. <laughs> so. Um, that was so. That's the first illegal transaction um, in 1983. So this is about 13 years later, or so 10 years later. Uh, the military wants to split itself from the academic crowd of ARPANET. Maybe it's because they want to start. Maybe there's more shady stuff going on, and they're trying to separate themselves from that. Probably, um, but they want to split it into two different networks, ARPANET, and they want to create a different one called MILNET. Military network. Ah, easy, right? So, Milnet was created and it was used to be it was to be used exclusively by uh, the military and defense agencies, CIA, FBI, NSA, people like that. So, a civilian version of ARPANET's created and that's what eventually becomes the internet. And then at their core, uh, the Milnet and ARPANET both fulfilled a need for secure, in this case private correspondence, which is key to the whole dark web thing later. So, in 1983, the internet is released for public use. Now, it's not necessarily released to the public, but it's and it's not really easily accessible by the public, but it's available. 1983. Um, it gains popularity as more and more of the world becomes connected, and the big question now is, we have all this data that's being transferred back and forth on this internet. This internet. And uh, so they need a way to store all this data. So they come up with this idea of data havens. Now, they function the same way as a tax haven in that data could be stored in countries to keep information out of the hands of home governments. So think of the way people talk about, like, uh, Swiss bank accounts offshore and stuff. Bank yeah, accounts. offshore bank accounts. You've got to keep, like, you want to keep your money out of the government's, your home government's hands. You want people want to keep their data out of the home government's hands. So once again, it goes back to this private correspondence. People want to be able to talk and have and transfer data back and forth privately without anyone peeking in on it. That was my peeking noise. <laughs> Since the people can't see us. Right. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, this demonstrates the growing want and need for data privacy, and then that obviously starts spurning these dark web, um, dark web users. August 1991, the internet becomes publicly available. And this mean, this meaning just it's more publicly accessible. People flock to this new environment. And this begins the dot-com bubble and the internet boom, which is essentially what the 90s became known for. So you start seeing all these websites popping up. Yahoo and Google and Amazon stuff all got started in, those, in the 90s. One thing that also started in the 90s... Um, and this is kind of relatable for us, is that CDs were the way people were listening to music mm -hmm. in the 90s. You remember, I'm sure you had a, I still have my black binder, those full CDs. Not as much so as like my brother. I know my brother had hundreds of CDs, it seemed like. So he'd go into his car, and like, remember you got into like anyone's car and they had that, that sun visor, like thing that clipped to the sun visor, had like 50 one. CDs yeah. in it. <laughs> And he, like, reach down, like, reach, like, if you're sitting in someone's passenger seat, they're, like, reach between your legs and pull out the black binder. And it's, like, you know, it holds, like, 400 one. CDs. Yeah. yeah. And mine was, like, full of mixtapes and shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, anyway, so CDs are how people are listening to music. So, 
1995, the MP3 file extension is created. I'm not going to go into the history of the MP3. There's a ton of it. There's all this, like, it, it, there, it, was, it was released in 1995, but it was created years and years and years and years before that by software engineers. And so this would have, obviously, a ripple effect across the, the Internet that no one really expected, but we still feel to this day. Uh, so with the creation of MP3, users are now able to rip music copy music, burn music from CDs onto their computers. And via the internet, they can make them available to anyone who also has the internet. So what comes out of that? 1999, Napster is founded. And uh, this gives users a central place to put music. And also every virus that's ever lived. That was more LimeWire. Napster was kind of strictly music because it was, I think they restricted your file, file uploads to just mp3s hmm. limewire was more of a and this is getting like way too this is going to take us kind of off topic but limewire was more about packaging data and um concealing exe files which are executable files which are where viruses kind of hide like in in just the simplest terms that's where a virus would hide so you would label something um Oops, I did it again, dot mp3, but on the background, that would be just the name of it, but on the background would be like, I'm going to murder and st- I'm going to murder your computer and steal all your information, dot exe. This has been renamed to oops, I did again, dot mp3. That's a really good name. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it was a reason why, like, they talk about Trojan horses and stuff. Like, that would be the idea of a Trojan horse, right? Sure. You got a, a, a file that seems innocuous, seems like it's not going to cause any harm, and then you open it up and it's got all kinds of stuff. And that's what LimeWire, like LimeWire was the big um, the big kind of purveyor of that I, when I was in middle school and high school and stuff. And uh, I never used either of them. So I used Napster. I remember downloading stuff off Napster. Lars Ulrich of the drummer Metallica, he'll hate every song I downloaded, but... It sucks to be him. I didn't download any Metallica songs because I didn't like Metallica at the time. <laughs> you still don't like Metallica. <laughs> Jokes on him. I kind of like... I'm liking them more and more. Hmm. Um, uh-huh. Anyway, so that was a tangent. Napster's created in 99 in there. It's this... Think of it just as this repository, central hub where people can download and upload music, MP3 files, now that they, um, they have access to them. So obviously this kicks off all the copyright issues that we kind of alluded to with Lars Ulrich and obviously other musicians and stuff. So that takes us to 2000 where we have another network that's created called Freenet. It was called Freenet because it was free software that allowed users to share files over the internet, browse and publish free websites. Uh, It also stimulated this demand for anonymous internet access. People could go on there, you could create websites about anything. And doesn't, they did. doesn't last. But what does last, and if you know anything about the dark web, it's TOR. T-O-R. Which stands for the onion router. Which we'll get into why it's called the onion router. Like the onion. Not like the onion website. <laughs> Okay. Although I'm curious about the website. I wonder if they if they got some of their stuff. Like, they got their name from that. Anyway, so in 2002, it's re- Tor is released, but they started development in the early 90s. And Tor is 
called the Onion Router because of all of its layers of encryption and security. I'm like an onion. I've got many layers. Very, it's like Shrek, right? <laughs> this is instrumental. This is your first kind of big step into the dark web is Tor. Tor created an environment where people could freely and anonymously browse the internet and it opened the doors to the dark belly of the internet. It's created with good intentions. But as the saying says, the, so is the road to hell. Right, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So let's talk about Tor for a little bit. So both ARPANET and things like Freenet showed this growing demand for private internet access away from the eyes of the government and get and being able to get whatever you want. Tor was created by David Goldschlag, Goldschlag, I think, Mike Reed and Paul Syverson while they were working for the U.S. Naval Research Lab. The idea was to route traffic anonymously through multiple servers and encrypt it along the way, which is why it's called onion rounding, all those different layers. It's free, so anyone can get it, and it's open source, meaning anyone can modify it. It was that they made it so that the software could be easily accessible to anyone who wanted it and so that they could rely on a decentralized network for maximum security. They didn't want to have to host something somewhere. They kind of just let people, it kind of, it created its own network. And there wasn't one, like the military earlier, there wasn't one central spot. Like this is the Tor server that they, that the government could shut down or someone could find. As Tor starts gaining popularity, its users start demanding that its creators address censorship by allowing those living under oppressive governments to publish their thoughts and access restricted websites freely. So this is where the whole good intentions thing is, is it allows, they have these noble intentions because they wanted to, they created this platform to get around government censorship for governments that were restricting their people from being able to use the internet. North Korea, like, is, like, the prime example right now. Sure. You can only access North Korean websites that, like, are marked by the state as, you are allowed to visit this website. I love <laughs> KimJong.com. <laughs> I love NK.com. NK. So, the problem with Tor, though, is that it's very technical and it's very difficult to use. It's, you need to be very tech savvy to be able to configure, to create websites, to configure it, to get on it. Well, in 2008, probably more recent than you thought or than you would think, more, certainly more recent than I thought. 2008, they finally solved the issue of the platform being so difficult to use and they released a Tor browser, which is just like any other internet browser. And this is to solve the issues of difficulty of use so now you get access to a lot more people. Once that... Tor browser was released, it was only a matter of time before more dark websites began popping up. So you have this dichotomy form. On one side, people that are under oppressive governments who want to get their ideas and thoughts out who aren't being allowed. And on the other other side, you have people in groups who start utilizing it for nefarious purposes. Mm -hmm. Then you have the other side. The heathens. Right. The people who give it a bad name, right? So, this goes into what you brought up earlier, the release of Bitcoin, which I didn't really put together with, with the dark web. Like, you know, you, you hear about Bitcoin all the time now, but it was, it finally stuck in 2009. People have been trying to create 
cryptocurrencies since the 90s, like the mid 90s. Mm -hmm. And people needed a way to exchange money that wasn't cash or credit cards or something that could be, well, you couldn't exchange cash, right? Because you're on opposite sides of the world. And if you, in order for you to exchange cash, you have to send letters and stuff and it's traceable and all that stuff because it has to go through governments. Can't do credit cards because those all have names assigned to them and everything. So you need something to be able to exchange money back and forth, and that's Bitcoin. Britney Spears uses used Bitcoin for a couple of transactions because she had all her accounts frozen through her conservatorship. And in one of the podcasts I listened to, they were like, damn, Britney's on the dark web. So that's why I know that. Thanks, oh, there Britney you go. Spears, for enlightening my life. Yeah, maybe she did have to go onto the dark web to make those purchases. If you don't want them tracked, that's the way to do it. I mean, it. it was like 2010, so. There you go, right around that time. So, now that anonymous transactions are solved, illegal sales on the dark web skyrocket. <laughs> um, to showcase just one of its good uses, uh, do you remember the Arab Spring? 2010? Spring I've of heard of it, I couldn't tell you anything about it. So, Tor utilized... A tour was utilized in 2010 during the Arab Spring, which was a series of anti-government protests, uprisings, and armed rebellions that spread across much of the Arab world in the early 2010s. Uh, they so people used Tor to be able to get those messages out and get their feelings about overthrowing those regimes and stuff out into the world. Uh, so we'll talk about uh, some, I guess. The big things that come up with the dark web. I'm not going to go too much. Like, we'll go into a little bit, a little bit about a few things. I'm not going to go into extensive about any of this stuff. But uh, one of the first uh, big busts on the dark web involves a website called the Silk Road. Now, Silk Road from history is the road between that what was it? not Magellan. What was the other guy? Magellan was the water. Cortez. Nope. He was also the water. <laughs> and Cortez went the other way. Silk Road was between China and, and Europe. I can't remember the guy's name. Let us know in the comments. Whatever. Anyway, so a website called We're the Silk his, Road. It's just a history podcast. Right, exactly. <laughs> 2011, Gawker. You remember Gawker? Well, yeah. you know Gawker. A Gawker-affiliated blog publishes an expose on the Silk Road, a dark web marketplace for buying and selling illegal drugs, saying, quote, it's as easy as buying used electronics. Use drugs. <laughs> so, visitors to this website skyrockets, draws over a million users at one point. People on there wheeling and dealing narcotics. Literally. FBI catches on. And they complete a sting operation in 2013 that completely shuts it down. And it's a blow. This is a heavy blow to the dark web. How does the FBI get involved, right? Next up, remember Edward Snowden? Mm-hmm. His whistleblowing. Edward Snowden releases highly classified information from the NSA that reveal numerous global surveillance programs run by the NSA. That yeah, right, was the Espionage Act and stuff like that. Right, right. So he um, he uses Tor for his whistleblowing. His Tor was able to maintain the security of his project, and this showcased how ironclad Tor's security was. All that encryption and all that, all those different layers, they couldn't find him. Um, in 2015. A website called Playpen is shut down, a widely used dark website for the distribution of child pornography. It's shut down by the FBI and other related agencies in other countries. So this website was 
At one point, it had over 150,000 users, but the FBI and then the FBI equivalent of other countries also, they all came together to shut it down. Because obviously that's horrific. Yeah. And they called it Playpen? Mm-hmm. That's disgusting. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, besides the horrific stuff and uh, and the kind of whistleblowing and hidden identity stuff, uh, in 2012, a hip-hop group called Death Grips. You ever heard of them? <laughs> no. Exactly. I never had either. <laughs> 2012, uh, a hip-hop group called Death Grips, they use the dark web to promote their new album. And it, it's they use different kinds of encryption, Morse code, QR codes, a Caesar cipher, whatever that is. And they send people on a huge scavenger hunt throughout the dark web, like onto different websites and stuff, to find clues. And one user said that it ended with them answering a New York payphone at 3 a.m. All these clues connecting together. So, like, him, the guy that's trying to find the clues, they're like, go to this payphone at 3 a.m. and we'll call you? Yeah, yeah, like Death Grips, like the band or the rap group was like, they do all these clues and then they call them and then it was just for the release of their new album. Like, they just, the the release of the (laughs) album. And they're like, come out October 6th? Right, exactly. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Stupid. Like, that was just one thing that they used the dark web for. Funny stuff like that. Um, And... I mean, it's kind of brilliant. Yeah. And the album was related to the dark web. Like, the name of it had something to do with the dark web. Um, I didn't write it down because I'm stupid, but... Can you imagine if Taylor Swift did that with one of her albums? Like, I made this gigantic thing. There would be 8,000 24-year-old girls on one sidewalk in New York City. Oh, in an yeah, hour. yeah, In an hour. I love, like, like, digital scavenger hunts, I think, are really cool. There was one... Um, so the TV show Lost, they had a website that they released. So not to go too off too much of a tangent here, but they had a website for the made-up airline in the show, mm-hmm. Oceanic. And on that website, like if you click through enough stuff, like it would reveal like plot clues and stuff and hints at new episodes and everything. Like it was really cool. Like if you just had to like go on the scavenger hunt. And World of Warcraft has done a bunch of scavenger hunts for different items that take place across like the entire game it's i love stuff like like scavenger hunts i really dig in-person scavenger hunts maybe not so much like i don't know like i i i like the idea of having I feel, to use I feel my like brain you would to, like a, a well thought out one sure like if it was just one around the house where i'm like lift the toilet seat or like go kill the spider me. in the closet pretty much you'd be like <laughs> all right I, okay but if i had one like around the city for you there was one um one thing we used to do in Butte when I was going to school there was we would do, everyone would start with like an item and you would try and go and trade that item like across, you go anywhere in the, in the city, but you had like five hours, you started at like seven o'clock at night, you had till midnight to take that item and trade it to strangers and stuff <laughs> until you could find whoever could come back with the most expensive item. So you just be like wheeling and dealing with people. So it was kind of like a scavenger hunt. I li- like stuff like that was kind of interesting. You'd like go and find people and be like, "Hey man, I've got this like diamond ring." No, <laughs> nothing like that. Like it wasn't anything crazy like that. But you could be like, "Well, I got this. Like I got five frisbee golf discs. I'll trade my five frisbee golf discs for your whatever, and then you use that item to trade for something better." And whoever could come back with the most expensive item won. Pretty sure they did it just to keep us from drinking. 
but sure. <laughs> most people just ran around and drank and, <laughs> and <did> drank. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I used to go to parties in Missoula, and we'd take something from the house and then leave it at the next party, and take something from that house and leave it at the next party. <laughs> Nothing like important. We'd take like a magnet off the fridge or something sure. dumb. Just just leaving your like a serial killer, leaving your clue that we were here. Yeah, and then. I don't know. Maybe those people are friends, and then they go over to the next person's house. And they're like, why? Hey, wait is, a minute. Why is my <laughs> what the hell? Why is my fridge magnet on your fridge? That's pretty good. Um, back on topic here. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I like scavenger hunts. Anyway, so that was really <laughs> cool. That's when I read that about them doing a scavenger hunt that, across multiple websites. Because you got to understand that, like, the fact that they had them across a bunch of different dark web websites. You can't just Google stuff on the dark web. You can't be like, I'm in the dark web now. <laughs> I want to know how to clear up toe fungus or something. Like, you can't just, like, and then, like, you Google that and it brings up a bunch of websites. You can't. You could pay someone to get rid of your toe fungus on the dark web. Though. Probably, sure. They'd probably collect it. Hmm. There's, there's weirdos oh, out there. Why are you going to make it weird? Because <laughs> that's, that's, there's weirdos out there. Ugh. Anyway, so. Uh, the idea of have, making people go to specific websites and stuff when you don't know how to get to those websites, very clever. Very cool. Never also, heard of the group. Never heard of the album. in those websites? Like, you got to know people, right? You create them. I mean, people... Oh, have, I guess you, that's you have to create your own website. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, like, how do you get people to it? Well, you go to groups or you find people who are like-minded and you're like, hey, man, I created this website, I do this thing. Okay, and then that person tells someone else, and that person tells us, so it's all word of mouth kind of stuff. Hmm. Well, that's why we've never heard of them. But a bunch of tour websites are also popular websites. So there's a tour version. I check these out. It's not, it's not illegal to go on the dark web or anything. It's just kind of interesting. Does somebody just show up at our house? Nope. I don't think so. Not unless <laughs> they work for Facebook, because there's a tour version of Facebook, a dark web version of Facebook. It's run by Facebook. There's a dark web version of the CIA. It's all for recruiting, <laughs> which I think is fun. They're and like, then, you figured out how to get here. Right. So, so. they're like, hey, you want to come join us? Like crack down on people who also use the dark web? That was funny. And then I also went to one for the National Police of the Netherlands. They also have a, a dark web website. Are we moving to the Netherlands no, instead I don't think of so. Scotland? Um, and as you mentioned in the in the beginning, uh, there's a couple video games that kind of talk about like you can kind of go onto the dark web in these video games. It's not the real dark web; it's a in-game dark web, but it's the same kind of thing. Um, they're called it's called Welcome to the Game One and Two. Essentially, it's uh, the player is accessing the dark web in hopes of finding clues that help solve a mystery. Like to put it in the most basic of terms. Um, but they kind of show getting you. killed. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, like there's all that stuff too. Like, oh. but that's one of the things. Like, that's the whole objective of the game is to like solve this mystery before the guy murders you. <laughs> before someone murders you, before the cops find you. Yeah, because you're doing illegal things, and the because you're guy go- from the dark web. You're is not like, I'm gonna come doing to you. illegal things. Okay, we can really get into the plot if you want. The idea is you're a reporter and you're trying to find this missing woman, but you have to go find clues that the killer or the kidnapper left for you on different pages. But you have to access Ill- pages that have horrific illegal stuff on them to find these clues. Now, granted, there's nothing actually graphic in the game because it wouldn't be like they wouldn't be able to sell the game. But it's the idea, and then. Yeah, you're trying to dodge these maniacs that are coming after you because they track you through the internet. It's a whole thing. Anyway, 
The lights are going off. And you we have spend, to run downstairs. We spend yeah. we're spending way too much time talking. about it. There's a couple <laughs> video games that are out that if you really if you want to be on the play on the dark web without actually playing on the dark well, web. Well, my can do point it. is that it's scary. Why are you on the dark web in our house? Here's the thing. The dark web, and then we'll get in. Um, this is my my wrap up. Let me do my wrap up. The dark web has been used to fight back against government censorship and aid political activists in spreading their messages. But you can't help. I mean, we can't help but shudder at the reading about the darker corners of the of the dark web um, that have been home to child pornography, drug sales, and other illegal content. You mentioned murder, hit men, yeah, hit persons, and or organ selling. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about how to access the dark web. Just know it's not very difficult. You could Google, how do I access the dark web? It's pretty easy. But it's also not illegal to go on the dark web. So that's, we'll make that very clear. So if you want to do your own investigation, by all means, make sure you have like a say of like a good antivirus installed and everything. Cause you never know what you're going to find, but there's plenty, there's plenty to find on the dark web. That's not illegal. Because at its heart, it's a, a place for people to share information that they just don't want governments watching. Is most of it illegal? Probably. But is some of it not? Sure. Okay. Why? Okay, but the CIA is on there. Like, the government is on there. How, why does... Yeah, but they're not tracking it. They're not, like, watching what you do on it. They can't. That's the whole point of the tour. That's why you have to go... I'm not going to talk about how you do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because you don't want other people to do it? Because you shouldn't have done it. I don't want to be... I'd, if people, I'm not saying people shouldn't do it. I'm just not going to give people the means to do it. Because <laughs> people can... It's a Google search. How do I get on the dark web? It's real easy. Tour is involved. I'll tell you that. So yeah, the yeah the governments and stuff like the CIA has their own website, but they're not they're not tracking what people are doing, and that's the point of it. They can't see what you're doing on it, which is why it takes agencies coming together, and it takes forever for these like drug marketplaces and child pornography marketplaces to be shut down. Okay. Anyway, so that's my history of the dark web. It still exists to this day. Thanks and it was that. a lot of fun to to, to read to read about and research. I did very at little actual research on the dark web. Like I said, I went to the CIA webpage. I went to the Facebook webpage. Didn't even log into Facebook. Didn't want to try that. <laughs> <laughs> and I went and I went onto the police of the Netherlands. They have a nice website. It's all in Dutch, so I can't read it. But is the Facebook one like that? I don't know, that Trump Facebook, whatever it was. What? You know, the like, the one that isn't censored or whatever? Or no. What is that called? I can't remember what that one's called. Me either. I, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Um, no, it was just Facebook. And it's like impossible to tell anyone what the, bra- what the webpage is. Because you know how you can tell people like, oh yeah, go to www.facebook.com. Well, the way the dark web is set up, the... Every, because everything is so encrypted, it's a line of, I don't know, 64 alphanumeric characters that don't make any sense. That's the, that's the web address. So you're like, I don't, know how to t- I don't know how to tell you how to get there. I'll tell you uh, when we get off the air, I'll tell you how I got there. Darkworldweb.com. 
www.darkweb.com. Just Google dark web and you're there. Wow. So anyway, uh, we've gone really long this episode. Yeah. Um, this is definitely going to be our longest episode, but I think it was good. It's good information I, and it's fun. I feel like I've done a lot of contradicting you and jutting in. That's fine. <laughs> so. I appreciate it. I like it. I like arguing. Um, but yeah, it was, fun to re- it was fun to read about, fun to learn about. Okay. And I didn't know the history of it. Like I, like I said, I went into it with the same thought as everyone else. Oh, it's just it's just illegal stuff all over the place. Mm-hmm. And yes, there is that portion of it, but there's other portions of it too. Do you remember us reading or watching when we watched the newsroom? They were communicating with. Uh, there's a, at one point there's a character that's in a war zone, yeah, and they're communicating with him over the dark web. So it's there's that side of it too, where like people actually use it for for good things and getting information out there. They could call it something different. It doesn't have to be the well, dark I think the, web. They could call it like the light web, <laughs> the non criminal web, <laughs> the holy web. <laughs> yeah, I don't like. I think the dark web is just gonna stick, and I think it's more dark. I mean, yeah, there's the whole illegal aspect, but I think it's just dark because it's. Hidden. Sure. Yeah, it's supposed to be anonymous and everything. The so. shadowy web. The shadowy web. So that's my that's my story. That was a good story. Yeah. I liked it. I'll have one next week. Oh good. <laughs> we wouldn't have a show if you Maybe didn't. if we're here, if we're still alive and somebody hasn't come to murder us because <sighs> they know everything about us now because you were on the dark web. Our internet provider will be like, Hey, so we saw you were on the dark web. Gonna be a phone call and be like, so be like what'd you do? Well, like, our Wi Fi sucks, man. so <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do around here. Right. I was connecting because I had to, man. <laughs> that's right. a, that's another idea. So, just to kind of branch off that real quick, but that's the idea behind VPNs, virtual private networks. So, you hear about all these every like it seems like every podcast or every YouTube channel's got like ExpressVPN and they're talking about that stuff. Promo so, code murder. Same thing. Don't promote other podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's the same thing. Like a VPN is kind of is a is in a similar. uh, It's a similar realm of protecting information that you're looking at. Interesting. Most people just use VPNs for because I live in Ethiopia and I want to watch what's on the U.S. Netflix. So if I v- if I connect to a VPN that's actually hosted in the United States, then people then the then when I go to Netflix.com, it sees me having a United States address or web address and not my Ethiopian address, so I can watch the Office season two. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's more so like Canada. Canada and, and US Netflix vastly different. I feel really bad for Canada Netflix. Because they don't get nearly the good stuff that we do. Not that we subscribe anymore. My parents do. We're Hooray! Leeches. We're leeches. Leeches. All right. Well, this we didn't do. Long yeah, I mean, we didn't do any of our socials at the beginning, so I'll let um, you do all that stuff now. Yeah, I mean, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, a history and history podcast, and we're on all platforms. Yeah, everywhere now. You found us, so good job. We don't have a website on the dark web, so don't That's go looking true. for us there. And we won't. So. We might. We won't. (laughs) I 
like your dark web to career. Once we start our Patreon, our like speak. our ten dollar our ten dollar donors will get access to the Uber Secret Omega Secret Dark Web <laughs> website, <laughs> where you can find even more dumb history from us. <laughs> We're starting our own Wikipedia. <laughs> all right, cool. That's it. That's all I've got. Let's wrap this up. All right. Thanks, Bye. everyone. Bye.